Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here on this Sunday morning or whatever time you happen to be watching our service. Uh, it's been quite an eventful week, hadn't it? Um, you know, even here at Life Church, it's been quite an eventful week. The On Tuesday, seven days ago, right about this time, when the governor... Uh, requested no gatherings of over 50 people, and then just a day or two later uh, that that number would now be 10 people or less. And we are in the middle now of this 15-day reset, but truthfully, it's most likely to continue for quite a while longer. Uh, But where two or three but less than 10 are gathered in his name, (laughs) he is in their midst. So I'm here today in our Life Church Cafe today with just a few of our critical staff with me in order to make this message possible. Now, before I preach, let me just address some things to our Life Church family. And if you're a guest, by the way, thank you for joining us. And then uh, I want to con- ask you to just continue to listen in uh, as I talk to our church family for just a moment. As a church family, we have decided that we want to do all that we can uh, to assist in getting rid of this virus as soon as possible. Uh, for this reason, We're going to be posting our sermons and having online church for at least today and next Sunday, uh, and probably longer than that, but at least for today and next Sunday. And all indications are this could possibly go on for several weeks. So I want you to be prepared for that. I want you to think about that. Be aware it could be Easter Sunday or even later before we get to gather again together as a church family. And I just want you to know right up front, I assure you, there's nobody that's more disappointed with that than I am. But we've also decided that we as a church need to be responsible, and we want to do our part to help life get back to normal as quickly as possible. We've also decided that at least for this coming week, we are shifting from our public life group gatherings to in-home devotions and gatherings. Now, this honestly was a difficult decision because small groups are designed for being able to meet when we can't have larger gatherings, right? But when the CDC recommendation went from 50 to 10, that really challenged some of our groups because some of our groups are larger uh, than 10. And we just wanted this week at least to protect our members by instead offering you devotional tools that you could use at home. This week, our pastoral staff is going to be sending out three video devotionals via our Facebook page. The first one will be tomorrow on Monday, and then on Wednesday and Friday, we'll also be posting these on our website, and there's also going to be some discussion questions uh, connected to today's sermon that we're going to break down this entire week that will give you an opportunity to have a devotion with your family, a a small group discussion, if you will, or maybe even a couple of your close friends, Uh, and, and I'll leave that up to you. Uh, We encourage you to take that time this week to gather as a family, watch the videos, and have some discussion. We're also going to be posting some inspirational passages and some other inspirational videos from some of our staff members this week to encourage you throughout the week. Now, 
This coming week, we are going to be meeting also our pastoral staff and doing some strategic planning on how best to get our small groups up and running again as soon as possible. Uh, some of them could be done in person. You, you know that. Some of them could be meeting virtually uh, in, on, in online groups through uh, formats like Zoom. I had a meeting yesterday uh, with some pastors from all around the country on Zoom. So there's ways we can do this. Uh, and lastly, as Rodney mentioned, uh, it's also important, don't forget that members of Life Church, we need you to continue to be faithful in your giving. Uh, and you can do this through giving online or through the website, the church app, uh, because we're going to probably encounter some needs in our church community, in our community, maybe even more so than before. And I just want to say this. I want to look right into the camera and tell all of the members of our Life Church family, if any of you lose your job, I want you to contact us. Uh, if any of you don't have groceries, I want you to contact us. I don't want anybody in our church family to do without. So uh, please remember that. Reach out to us. Uh, now more than ever before, we need to be a family, and we need to come together. I promise you we're not going to let anybody in this church go hungry or, or, uh, or not have their needs met if you lose your job. God's going to provide. But members, we just need you to pull together and be faithful now more than ever before. Amen. So, let me just quickly say a word of prayer before I jump into the word of the Lord, okay? Father, thank you again for this opportunity to gather. I just pray that you bless the word of God today. Let there be hope and encouragement uh, as we gather together in our homes or in small groups. Lord, or maybe even we're just watching. Somebody's just watching this uh, alone on their phone or on their laptop. I just pray that you would encourage them this week. And Father, we want you to know we put our trust and our confidence in you. Amen. Everybody said amen. All right, well, it goes without saying, but this week, the fear and the panic hit our country. Coronavirus or COVID-19, right now it's spreading rampantly, and there's really no way of knowing how many people are actually infected. There's no reason to share statistics with you because they're changing literally by the minute. There's panic buying in stores. I don't know if any of you tried to buy a roll of toilet paper or a chicken breast lately. I mean, what in the world? Uh, apparently, all the people who are used to eating out now are buying groceries and they're cooking at home. Please pray for all those people that are eating really bad meals this week because uh, some people, the struggle is real. But there's shutdowns of businesses, shutdowns of restaurants, schools are closed. Many people, uh, the fortunate ones, are getting the work from home, but there's a lot of other people that are being laid off in droves. And, uh, and I want you to know right up front, and I want to speak to those of you who are afraid or worried, we as believers, we are people of faith, but I understand your fears. And you're not going to get any condemnation from me. I understand your fear, and my heart goes out to you. Because none of us are in the same situation. None of us are in the same circumstances. There's a lot of people that are legitimately afraid and they're worried, and we understand that. Some of you are watching right now and you've already lost your job, or maybe you've seen your hours reduced. Some of you are afraid of what has happened to your retirement accounts because you need those to survive. Some of you are fearful for your health or the health of your loved ones. So today, I'm not saying that you should not feel any fear, and frankly, I think that's not fair to say that to people. But I also want to say that we are people of faith, and we serve a God of hope. 
And don't let the spirit of fear consume you because God does not want his people living in fear. He doesn't want us to live that way. Even in the midst of this storm, God wants to give us peace and he wants to give us hope. So today I just want to speak hope. And I also want to speak some truths that you can hold on to that will help you manage the stress and worry and fear that you might be dealing with and instead walk in faith and hope and confidence. So my subject today is this, when fear and faith meet. When fear and faith meet. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. If you don't, guess what you can do right now? You can hit the pause button. And go get your Bible. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Also on the bottom of this uh, video message, the scriptures should be coming up. Matthew 6, 25. You can follow along. I'm going to read from the NIV this morning. And it says this. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the bird of the air, the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Think about your retirement account right now. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by borrowing, by wor worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can we say amen to that? Now, Jesus asked a lot of interesting questions, uh, and he asked a lot of questions during his ministry in the earth. But in verse 27 of Matthew 6, which we just read, he said this, Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? He was asking, does worry really add anything good to your life? He isn't warning us against living a thought-out life. Having a plan, I can tell you, is certainly better than not having one at all. He's also not urging us to just, you know, have a happy-go-lucky, anything-goes attitude. He wasn't saying don't look ahead. He wasn't saying don't think about tomorrow. He was saying don't worry about tomorrow. You notice the difference? He wasn't saying don't think about it, but he was saying don't worry about it. Don't, he wasn't saying don't plan. He was warning us against worrying about tomorrow. He wants us to face the future, even the uncertain circumstances that we're living in right now, with an attitude of faith instead of fretful anxiety and worry. So you know what? He's appealing to our common sense with this question. Why worry? Numerous times in this passage, when you read Matthew 6, uh, Matthew 27, he says, why worry? Don't worry. Why do you worry? Oswald Sanders said this, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> Bernard Meltzer said, worry is fear thought, not forethought. It is cured by prayer thought. Amen. 
George Muller said this, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Now see, if there was ever a time for us to take control of our thoughts and our fears and our worries, it's now. Now too many of us, we're just, really, we're too worried and too many things, about too many things all the time anyway. So this is really, can I just be honest, this crisis is really going to be tough for all you worry warts, right? It's going to be tough for the people who always live in panic mode anyway. You've got to take a deep breath, and you're going to have to pray and ask the Lord to give you strength for each day, each moment, every opportunity. But I want you to look at another great passage that still rings true today. Are you ready? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Some versions of the Bible say, I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of coronavirus, I will fear no evil. Why? He is with me. His rod, his staff, they comfort me. Who is my shepherd? The Lord, right? And notice, it says, I shall not want. I shall not lack. He will take care of my needs and I will fear no evil. I, I recognize sometimes it's either said than done, but you need to keep praying that prayer. You need to keep on saying those verses. You need to keep reminding yourself, I am his child, and he's going to take care of me. And by the way, can I just interject right here? If you are not a child of God, you need to plug into the strength that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to let him into your life. Let him fill you. Let him, let him save you. Let him give you the peace, the Bible says, that passes understanding. If there's ever a time when our world needed the Lord, it's now. But as Christians, even as natural as worry is, we've got to be honest and acknowledge that worry is an indication that maybe we're not really sure if God's going to take care of us or not. But he is. Sometimes worry is a reflection of the fact that maybe we've lost sight of what is truly the most important thing. Philip Parham told a story of a rich industrialist who was, he was disturbed. He was walking along the seashore and he found a fisherman who wasn't fishing. He was just sitting very lazily beside his boat. So this rich guy walks up to the fisherman and he says, why aren't you out there fishing? He said, well, I've already caught enough fish for today. He said, well, why don't you go out and catch more fish than you need? The rich man said, he said, well, the fisherman looked back and said, well, what would I do with them? So he looked at me and said, well, you could sell them. You could earn more money. And then you could buy a bigger boat and a better boat so you could go deeper. And then you could catch more fish. Then you could purchase nylon nets. And you could then catch even more fish. And then you could make more money. And then soon you could buy a second boat. And then you could have a fleet of boats. And then you could be rich just like I am. And the fisherman looked back at him and he said, well, if I did all that, then what would I do? He said, then you could sit down and enjoy life. And the fisherman looked back at him and said, what do you think I'm doing right now? What do you think I'm doing right now? The rich man said, work harder, work harder, fret more, do more. The fisherman said, you know what? I've already got enough, and I'm going to enjoy life. And if there's one thing that I think this virus should be teaching us right now is we need to look around and appreciate what we have in life. 
You need to look around and appreciate the family that you have and the people that are in your life. If you're fortunate enough to still be working, be thankful for the job that you have. If you've got a little money in the bank, be thankful. If you've got food in the cupboards, be thankful. Amen? Don't get so consumed with everything else that's around us. Just take a moment and be thankful. I'm standing right now in an empty building with the exception of about 10 people here that I'm speaking to in our cafe. And I want to say to my Life Church family, I miss you. I really do. I'm going to get emotional. I enjoy being in church with my church family. And you know what this virus has taught me? I can't wait till we're all back together again. Even one week away from each other seems unusual. I enjoy my small group of men that I get to meet with every Monday night. I missed us not being together just this past week. I need to stop for a moment. We all need to stop and think about how much we enjoy life and the people that we have. We need to remember today what is important. Your family, your friends, your loved ones, our church family, our community. We've all done a lot of useless things in life, right? But no one has done anything more useless than worry, myself included. Worry never gets you anywhere. It never lifts a single load. It never solves a single problem. It never rubbed out a wrinkle, but it sure has rubbed a few in, right? We're not born worrying. Have you ever noticed a kid, babies don't worry about anything. Man, they'll jump right off the end of a couch. Uh, Mason the other day came down to the third step. I just happened to be standing there and jumped. Thank God I reached my arms out and I caught him. No worries, no fear. See, we're not born that way, guys. Worry is a trait we learn. It's something that we acquire. Nobody was ever born worried. You know what I understand? If you're good at playing the guitar like Eddie was here today, he wasn't born that way. He learned how to do it. If you're a great cook, and by the way, if you're a great cook, just send me a message and you're welcome to cook a meal. I'll come by and pick it up. I'll social distance. Just leave it on the front porch. I'm all good with that. Amen. If you're a great cook, somebody taught you or you learned yourself. And guess what? If you're really good at worrying, it's because you've practiced a lot. <laughs> and we have to understand worry is not something that's going to help us get through the days and weeks to come. Here's the good news about any learned behavior, and that is you can unlearn it. That includes worry. Paul gave us some clear instructions on how to conquer worry. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, you're ready? Here come the four words. Think about such things. Think about the right things. He's not urging us into blind optimism. This is not, you know, oh, everybody put on your rose-colored glasses and pretend like nothing's happening. He's not even telling us just to, you know, keep on the sunny side, always on, look on. No, he's not saying that. What Paul is saying, though, is we need to fix our eyes on the things that are good rather than those things that are ugly or bad and focus on the right things. If you're going to conquer worry in your life, then you must give attention to the good things. And can I just say right now, you need to start doing it now before things get crazy. And I pray they don't. But if they do, you need to be ready. You need to start winning those battles right now. Right now, they're searching for and experimenting with different antidotes for the coronavirus. And I'm thankful for that. You know what an antidote is? It's a remedy or other agent used to neutralize 
or counteract the effects of a poison. It is something that corrects or counteracts. Do you know what the antidote is to worry? Faith in God. Faith in God. Faith neutralizes our worry. Faith counteracts worry. Faith corrects worry. Again, I want you to listen to the antidote from the words of Jesus himself. Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? This is from Jesus to you. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Jesus reminds us that the Father in heaven who cares for the birds can be trusted to supply our needs. We are to rest in the Lord and wait patiently on Him. Here's a couple more verses from the Old Testament. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Psalm 62 and verse 8 says, Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before Him. God is a refuge for us. Folks, we need to trust Him at all times. Pour out your hearts. Pour out your fears. Pour out your worries. So, how do I meet fear with faith? I'm going to share three things with you, and they're going to be the focus of our devotions here this week in our family gatherings and our small group gatherings. Here's the first principle. It's this. Fear focuses on the bad things around us. Faith knows that God will see us through anything. Are you right? I know that was long, but let me say it again. Fear focuses on the bad things around us. Faith knows that God will see us through anything. How many of you, if you're honest, you, you kind of play a movie in your mind of how you think things are going to play out, whether it's with your family or with your job or with a situation? How many of you, just raise your hands right in your living room, how many of you have already played out the movie of all the bad things that could possibly happen with this virus or with your checking account or with your family, right? You know what's happening? We don't mean to do it, but we tend to default back to focusing on the wrong things. So how do we deal with this kind of worry? I remember there was a movie I saw one time. It might have been Apollo 13. It was one of the movies about astronauts. And one of the astronauts is doing his spacewalk, and he's, he's looking at Earth from space. And as he begins to stare at planet Earth, which now seems so small, he all of a sudden in the movie, he takes his thumb and he goes like this. And all of a sudden with just his thumb, he just blocked out the entire planet Earth. It seemed so large, but now it was so small that he couldn't even see it. That's what we've got to do with our worries and our fears. We need to lift up the finger of faith. We've got to place it over our fear. We focus on the face of God, and in so doing, the problem that might seem very significant and large, it will become insignificant in our lives. We've got to keep it in the right perspective. We have a promise from Scripture which says in 2 Peter 2 and 9, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. And when we accept the fact that bad things sometimes happen along with the good, but we have a good God that will see us through them, it changes our focus. 
We begin to concentrate on how big our God is and not how big our problems are. We know that God is able, and that is all we need to know. Amen? We've got the confidence that nothing will happen to us that God cannot handle and even use it for our benefit. Psalm 34, 17 through 19 says this, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but what? The Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. So don't focus on the bad things that fear brings. Focus on what faith can do. The second way that you meet your fear with faith is this. Focus on what you can't see rather than on what you do see. Focus on what you can't see right now rather than what you do see right now. I love the Old Testament story of the prophet Elisha and his servant as they were staying in the town of Dothan. I'm not going to read it right now for sake of time, and I'll just kind of paraphrase for you. The king of Aram and his army come to make war with Israel, and, uh, you know, they surround the city. And Elisha's servant got up early in the morning, and he went out to look out over the city wall. And when he did, he saw this great army of the enemy all around the city. And, man, he ran back to the prophet Elisha, and he was, he, he was terrorized because he was looking at what he could see, right? I mean, that's smart. That's logical. So he runs back to Elisha. I can almost hear him gasping for breath, you know, as he tries to get the words out fast enough to that old prophet. You know, Elisha, man, you got to come see what's happening out here. Oh, we are doomed. Everything's just going to fall apart. But Elisha's calm, and he just looks at the servant, and he says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And you know what I bet the servant did? He probably looked around. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. You're an old man. <laughs> I'm a young servant. There's two. What are you talking about? Relax. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha was not hallucinating. There were not more people hidden under the couch or in the closet. Even if you counted the men and the women and the children of the city, uh, he wasn't talking about that. But then Elisha prayed this, and I love this. He said, Oh, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. I want to speak to somebody right now. What you've been watching is not what you need to see. What you see is not what you need to focus on. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we may see. See, And then in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, it says, Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. There was this heavenly army. He couldn't see it with the naked eye, but he could see it with the spiritual eye. This army that surrounded the people of God, he'd only been looking through the natural instead of the spiritual. The heavenly army, hear me, it had been invisible, but now his eyes were opened to what he could not see. The unseen, don't miss this, the unseen was the actual reality. What he could see in front of him was just the illusion and the obstacle that was standing in the way. The unseen reality, folks, can only be seen by faith. That's why, again, I want to implore you, for, for some people that are not believers, man, this is chaos. This is chaotic. And sometimes they're looking at Christians and going, what's wrong with you people? Why are you so calm? Why are you, why are you downplaying this? We're not downplaying this. 
We just know that our peace and comfort comes from the Lord, not from the government, not from a vaccine, not from our retirement accounts, not from any of that, amen? As a matter of fact, if this virus was to get me and take me out, guess what? The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I'm not consumed by fear. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, what? The inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, don't miss verse 18. Look, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Change your focus. Don't just look at the news. Matter of fact, you might need to turn the news off. I'm a news junkie, okay? I've had, to, I've had to disconnect from that. For the things which are seen are temporary, verse 18 says, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Wow. Guys, sooner or later, this is all going to be behind us. But what's most important are the unseen, eternal things. See, don't look at the things which are seen. The Red Sea was the visible, right, when the children of Israel were leaving. The dry ground through the middle was the reality. The walls of Jericho were the visible obstacle. Their collapse, though, was the reality. Goliath was the visible enemy. Little David, though, was the conquering reality. The cross was the visible defeat, but the resurrection was the invisible victory. The virus is what we can see, but what God is doing behind the scenes is what we cannot see, but is very real indeed. Every magician knows that the secret to his success is getting people to focus on what he wants them to see so he can fool them with what he does not want them to see, right? Every good uh, magician understands that. Henry, the devil is the evil magician who right now wants to fool you with an illusion of fear that he has placed in before our eyes because he does not want you to see that he cannot fulfill what he threatens and that even if he was to succeed, God would use his power over him to bring victory. The virus is what we see, but the victory is what's coming. So focus on your faith. And then the last point that I want to make, and I'm going to close, the third way that you match your fear with faith is focus on the fact that God is in control, not on what you can't control. There's not enough tests. Guess what? I can't control that. Stock market is collapsing. I can't control that. I can't worry about that. I can't be consumed with that. People might be sick. They may not be sick around me. I cannot control that. But I can focus on God who is in control. Understand that God has a plan for the world and a plan for your life, and he is carefully working it out. And let me say this. The coronavirus did not catch God off guard. The coronavirus, God didn't wake up and go, what? How did this happen? No, 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 no. God's hand is at work in the midst of all this. He is in control, so guess what? You don't have to be. We need to do what, we're, what we need to do to be ready, but the virus is not in control. God is. Governmental edicts and proclamations are not in control. God is. Remember this. The church is not shut down when the building is shut down. 
We are the church. The people sitting with you in your living room, you are the church. We are the body of Christ. And guess what? We are just as alive and well as ever before. So don't get freaked out if institutional Christianity has to step back, if the way we do church in the modern world has to change. Guys, this is not the church. None of this is the church. This is the church. It's you and it's me. We adapt. We change. We move forward because we walk by faith and not by fear. Nothing catches God off guard. Nothing surprises him. He is carefully and with great skill weaving all the events of life together into his eternal plan. Romans 8, 28, I'm almost done, says that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Even when I don't see how what I'm facing could possibly be a part of God's plan. I know and believe that he is. I hold on to that by faith. He knows what he's doing, even though he may not have informed me what it is. My responsibility is to walk in faith, not in fear, and let God handle the rest. My responsibility is to persevere and push through this present dilemma that we're all facing until we come out of this on the other side. You cannot see the whole picture. Only God can. Just because life may seem out of control, does that mean that God is not in control? So you've got to trust that there is a plan, even if you don't understand what the plan is. And just because you can't grasp it does not mean it does not exist. Fear and worry deteriorate the quality of our lives, and it destroys us physically, mentally, emotionally. We were not designed to live this way, guys. Faith is what breathes life and joy into our minds and our bodies, and that's where we find wholeness. Folks, we might be in this for a while, so you need to decide today. I'm not going to be ate up by worry and fear. I'm going to make the best out of this, and I'm going to celebrate the new things that God is showing me. I'm going to try to enjoy the time that I have with my family. I'm going to try to enjoy whatever this season of life is. Let God speak to you in this season. Let him talk to you. Let's ask God to show us what he's doing and how we can walk by faith and not by sight. You know what helps me the most when I begin to worry is to change my focus on the faithfulness of God. Because, guys, I've seen a lot in my short life, but God has never failed me. We've gone through some difficult times. My wife had cancer, and we had a very bleak report initially. God saw us through that, healed her, and she's here today. We've gone through all kinds of stuff in the church. We've gone through family situations. You've gone through stuff. We've had times when we didn't have two pennies to rub together, and then we've had times when we've been in abundance. We've had all kinds of stuff, and so have you. And guess what? Here you are right now. You're still alive. You're still making it, and God is still in control. I want to ask Robin to come and join me and stand with me, and we're going to pray together. Beginning tomorrow, we're going to be sending out devotions that are going to assist you in your family group gatherings. I want you to look for those. And I also want to encourage you, if you're watching this on Facebook, when it's all over, share it on your personal feed because some of your friends may never tune into Life Church, but this might be a message of encouragement to some of your friends that may not even know the Lord. So I want to encourage you to do that. Don't forget about the online giving. Don't forget to check on your neighbors, on your family, and on your friends. Be the church. Remember. This isn't the church. You're the church. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to say thank you today, God, for our church family, for our community, 
for the doctors and the government officials that are doing the best they can to look out for us and protect us. I just pray right now, Lord, that in the days and weeks to come, that every time we feel consumed or threatened by fear, God, that we would shift our focus back to you, that we would understand, Lord, that you are in control. Help us to not just worry about the things that are beyond our control, but help us every day to put our confidence in you, O God. Help us to cast every care at your feet. And, Lord, as I pray over our church family and then all of our guests that are watching this, God, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, those that might be, uh, that might even lose their jobs or, or have their hours cut, God, I pray that you would provide for them miraculously, God. Show yourself strong on their behalf, God. I pray for those that are feeling discouragement or depression or just a cloud of fear and worry over their lives. God, I pray that you would lift that cloud and that doubt from their minds. Give them encouragement and give them hope. And, Lord, we just join together and we agree together as the body of Christ. Lord, we trust you. Whatever we're doing, whatever you're doing, God, we don't have to know, but, God, we just want you to know that we're willing to walk through any door that you open and we accept any door that you close. God, help us to walk by faith and not by sight in the days and weeks to come. And, Lord, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I look forward to talking to you again soon. God bless you, Life Church family and guests. We love you. In Jesus' name, have a blessed week.